Welcome to the Ruby Roads Podcast. I'm David Kamira, and today on our panel, we have Jason Sweat. Hello. And today we are talking with Samuel Joseph. Now, do you go by hey Sam or Samuel? Just uh, Sam. Sam is okay. the best. Okay, great. It's all good. Well, Sam, today, uh, can you give us a bit of your background and let us know um, a bit of what you do? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I am the co-founder and chair of the board of trustees of the Agile Ventures charity, and we get people together from around the world to form into small agile software development teams and have them do software development for nonprofits and charities in other places around the world, other deserving deserving courses, uh, or courses, should I say? Um, and, uh, and also, I have sort of an academic background with uh, degrees in cognitive science and computer science, and uh, I sort of, you know, over the years, been jumping backwards and forwards between industry and academia, and I've now ended up in this sort of weird twilight zone called the charity sector, where we're having quite a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, that's that's sort of my background. Great. And uh, do you do much development, or uh, do you primarily focus on the education sector? Well, it's sort of, it, it comes and goes in fits and bursts. I mean, I've been programming in Rails uh, since like about 2007, and I, I do as much programming as I can. I, I love I love programming. I'd, I'd like to do more, uh, particularly actually since I was last on Ruby Rogues last November. We, we've now been officially approved as a, as a, a charity in the UK, and that's unlocked uh, various resources for us, but it's also unlocked even more admin work for me to do. So that the admin work seems to fight with my ability to spend time coding. But uh, yeah, so it kind of goes, goes backwards and forwards. Yeah, you know, I guess you can be a business manager or a programmer. The two uh, don't really overlap sometimes. Great. Uh, well, can you give us a bit of the background of Agile Ventures? Um, you know, what is your guys's uh, goal, and uh, what do you? Uh, do there. This episode is sponsored by Compose.io. Databases are arguably the most difficult part of the stack to manage. The last thing you want is to wake up at 4 a.m. because the database failed and you have no backups. Compose has all that covered for you, so rest assured that your database is fast, reliable, and always on. It's production-ready cloud databases on AWS and GCP for SoftLayer. So go check them out. You can pick from nine databases, including MongoDB, Elasticsearch, Redis, RethinkDB, MySQL, and one of the latest, ScyllaDB, which is a fast drop-in replacement for Cassandra. All databases come with guaranteed RAM, IOPs, and CPU that auto-scale. Automatic daily and on-demand backups, high availability nodes, security you can count on with, with private VLAN, IP whitelisting, SSH and SSL, two-factor authentication, and much more. Deploy your database in minutes, and they'll take care of all of the administrative tasks like patches and upgrades. Set up as fast and easy, so go try them out for 30 days free at compose.com slash devchat. Sure, sure. Well, I, you know, I guess uh, one thing to do is to refer uh, folks back to the previous episode I was on where we were sort of mainly focused on Agile Ventures, but just to um, give a give a summary. And of course, this is I have this general problem of speaking too long and speaking too fast. I'm going to get better at communication. That's my goal is now how to summarize briefly and concisely and effectively. So uh, more about what, what Agile Venture is, is really boiled down to in terms of this charity now is we have two goals. One is about just trying to help other organizations that maybe have limited resources and don't have uh, access to, you know, top uh, uh, bucks for the, um, you know, getting their, their IT problems solved. And the other thing is education. Um, and it's trying to bring these two things together. And rather than just purely being focused on education for education's sake, it's about saying, can we get groups together who are going to you know, form little learning teams, but can they be working on something that's actually 
for somebody rather than a toy project that's then going to get thrown away at the end of the day, that it can actually be, you know, a real project that will not necessarily be, you know, huge long-term value, but is, a, you know, as a fantastic prototyping exercise for some charity that's trying to, uh, a non-profit that's trying to work out how to get some problem solved. Um, so there's sort of twin goals of, you know, open, accessible, in-context education to all and, you know, helping deserving causes around the world. Yeah, that's great. So, um, who are, I guess, you know, some of your partners that you work with? Uh, so I guess you work with developers, you know, uh, to either, uh, learn how to program or to collaborate and work in a team on some projects. Um, uh-huh. and maybe just to kind of raise that self worth to say, you know, hey, I can do this job. Uh, but who are some of the partners that you guys kind of work with or collaborate with to, uh, really help bring up some of these uh, newcomers. Yeah, so I mean, the big the big connection that we have is with the uh, this edX MOOC or massively open online class called Agile Development using Ruby on Rails. And so I'm one of three instructors. It's also uh, Amanda Fox and uh, Dave Patterson at UC Berkeley. And this is now it's been running for like five or six years. We're just five or six years. We're just about to start a new run of of the MOOC uh, in coming up in I think May seventh or eighth. It's going it's going live. Um, but this is this is a kind of two-parter, ultimately like a twelve-week course or so, uh, completely free, uh, where you can you know uh, get the you know, UC Berkeley insight on on software engineering, uh, Ruby on Rails, and do these online uh, coding exercises that get checked by the order graders. I mean, back in the day, this was this was exciting. Two thousand twelve, woo, new things, you know, order graders. Now everybody and their uncle has got uh, one of these MOOC courses. But so uh, we work closely with that course and. Agile Ventures provides like support in terms of helping the students in that MOOC pair program with each other. And then we've got pathways for people coming out of the, the MOOC to kind of get involved in Agile Ventures and sort of take the uh, development skills, the Agile development skills, the Ruby Rail skills that they've learned in the MOOC onto real, real projects with uh, different charities around the world. And then so, you know, actually... Thanks to Ruby Rogues, uh, when we were on last time, as a result of being on Ruby Rogues last time, um, you know, uh, Wikimedia EDU got in touch with us and said, "Hey, we love that concept of Agile Ventures, having heard about it on on your show." And uh, so they they've now given us a grant, uh, and we're working with them in their uh, it's a Rails and React system, and they've got they've got a fascinating uh, system there where they kind of structure to help instructors around the world use Wikipedia as a kind of a, not just an educational resource, but actually set assignments for students to kind of contribute to Wikipedia. And then sort of there's like dashboards. And so the, the main project there is the Wiki, Wikipedia EDU dashboards. Um, and, and yeah, so no, we're, we're now project managing groups of volunteers to, to do that for, for Wikimedia, which has been, uh, been huge. Uh, we're also working with uh, NHS England. We have the National Health Service here in the UK, and uh, we're now developing systems for them as well. I think partly, you know, this year, it's a big year having been, you know, officially recognized as a charity, you know, appearing on Ruby Rogues uh, late last year was a big stepping stone as well. Um, but yeah, we the different, different charities. We've got a new system live for this as a Swedish animal charity. Um, there's a, a lovely project that's been developing there. And then there's a, a Syrian orphans charity. There's a employment charity in Detroit uh, and so on. And the number of projects, you know, is, is starting to go up and the different partners, these, you know, charitable organizations, the nonprofits, are working with more and more of the students coming out of the MOOC, but also not just out of the MOOC. It's it's uh, out of uh, boot camps. Uh, you know, uh, there's this huge number of boot camp graduates who are, have learned the basis of coding, but really want to get their uh, you know hands dirty on on real projects. And uh, yeah, it's it's all kind of 
just a link back to your original question, which is it's not so much about learning for code. I mean, if people come in and say they've got like no coding experience and they want to learn to code, I mean, we happily take people with no uh, coding experience who want to get involved in marketing or project management or those sides of the projects. But I, I think if you if you haven't you know learned any code at all, they're like free code camp. Code Academy, you know, Code School, Code Wars. I think there are other resources that are kind of, and even you know, going to a boot camp or doing the MOOC. Those are the places where you might learn to code. And in, and Agile Ventures is more about once you've reached that level where you're feeling some level of competence, but you want to take it up now and say, okay, I want to work with a real client. And and the push and pull of of real client demands. That's what we're kind of about. Wow. I have a couple questions for you, Sam. Some of which you might have kind of answered partially already, but I'll I'll ask anyway. Sure. Which is, how does this MOOC kind of relate to everything else that you do? Mm. And who is it for exactly? And if I'm interested in it, how do I sign up and take it? Sure, sure. So, so the, the MOOC um, is, it, it's really the, the, the structure of it is the brainchild of uh, Armando and uh, Dave at uh, UC Berkeley. And it's there taking the, what was the original UC Berkeley software engineering course and bringing it up to date with modern tools and they chose ruby on rails and um you know they kind of really integrated you know the ruby on rails into the course and at the same time as teaching the design patterns and uh, the solid principles and all these these great things but doing it like in the context of uh you know real real working working software so that's um that's kind of the core of it and the the, the mooc itself it is again it's probably not aimed at somebody who's just starting out i think there are other you know, uh, I think M MIT has some lovely intro uh, to programming MOOCs, which we usually, CS50, we usually recommend people go to, towards. Um, the sort of prerequisite for this MOOC is that you kind of already know one object-oriented programming language. You, you've kind of, you've moved beyond scripting, you've got some sort of base there, uh, and this is, okay, now, but maybe you don't know so much about software engineering principles, or, you know, like someone says, solid, and you're like, yeah, man, solid, uh, and you don't realize that the initial stand for or what have you. Um, so that this is then a great... Uh, free resource for anybody um, to go go and take it. Uh, it's um, available at edx.org. I believe the latest run, I think if you search for, for the Rails course on edx.org right now, you'll just see the closed courses. But I think it's going to be, or actually, they even said, was it later today? But, but by the time we air, um, basically, if you do a search for Rails in the edx.org course listings, you'll see the course. And um, yeah, that, that's it. The next run of the course is starting... Uh, it's uh, in, I think, yeah, the late, it's 8th of May. And then we're actually going to be moving to a self-paced mode from uh, full, where basically people will be able to take it whenever they want. Uh, we're, just, we're just moving towards that. Um, so that's answered some of your question there. Did I, did I, I've kind of <laughs> run out of steam as, I, as I, my brain handles the logistics of the dates and things. Did I, no, I think did that, I miss? No, I think that covers it. And I was able to find it. I think I just Googled Agile development using Ruby on Rails. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it came up, yeah. um, but it said like enrollment close. I was a little bit curious about how that worked. And it sounds like on May 8th, 2017 for listeners of future years mm -hmm. uh, is, is when this one opens up. But then in the future, it won't be time limited. You'll be able to sign up anytime. Is that the idea? That, that, that's the idea. We've been kind of, there's been a pro slow progress to that over the last year and a half. Edix has been very keen on that. You know, it's taken, you know, well, there's various big institutions involved here and uh, getting that all set up has taken some time. But, I, I, you know, uh, I, I think I think we're there now. We have an agreement for, for this is going to be one last run of the scheduled version of the course where it gets, uh, you know, each uh, segment of the sort of 12 week, the over two courses gets released week on week. Um, there, uh, yeah, it's going to be like 
you can get access to the enti- entire course at any time um, from uh, from full. Cool. So, how did you get started with Agile Ventures? You know, um, you know, how did you kind of take this uh, nonprofit from just an idea to fruition? Yeah, that's a great. That's a great. Uh, that's a great question. Yeah, the um, Agile Ventures really started up because we had the people coming out of the the, the, the MOOC, and we were we were hearing about um, how the, the the Berkeley students were doing these these great projects, and that they were using the Agile process where you know to deliver prototypes rapidly. You know, and every week or two weeks, they would be showing. A new prototype to uh, these nonprofits, usually based in California, and getting feedback, and then and iterating and, and doing that. And um, it it just seemed like, yeah, we we have to have that. And so, you know, initially it was actually just using Skype chat with people, um, and uh, that was, you know, people started talking. And the 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 the, the prompting thing was, I uh, I said, well, let's let's you know all reach out to our local charitable organizations and see if we can't find somebody who's willing to be an agile client and uh, and we did that and I actually found up the road from me was our local uh, voluntary uh, sector center and um, after speaking to a couple of charities there was a there was a group there saying yeah yeah we'd love to have you know a system that kind of mapped uh, the d- directory of charities in the local area and so on and uh, I started uh, pair programming online with other uh, MOOC students um, uh, using Google Hangouts uh, at the time and uh, you know use a quick rail scaffold um, for some people don't like that rail scaffold, but just to say, look, you know, look, we can get we can get this started. Look, we can get up get up something, and we actually prototyped uh, using Google Sites uh, for that initial organization, and um, that sort of became the, the project. And we had this sort of placeholder, um, uh, you know, sort of. Well, I think it was, it was in, initially called ESAS Projects or something, which was the, the original name of the the course. And then more and more people started to get involved. Uh, uh, Thomas Ogman, who's, who's now the, the founder of the, the Craft Academy Bootcamp in Sweden, yeah, he got involved and was project manager and said, right, yes, yes I love this Agile Ventures idea. And, um, you know, project managed the building of this uh, website, One, which was then building a Rails project to sort of house all of the different projects and and try and help people get together and, and coordinate all the materials and so on. And, and then just over time, we've had, you know, more and more people get involved, um, more and more charities that we've connected with who then want to work with teams of developers and and so now we've moved on from uh, in it, in it's uh, a lot of it's slack so we're kind of continuously working uh you know in the slack environment there's a slack channel for every project and trying to hook people up and you know we we now have as a result of our uh official uk charity status uh, unlocks this adwords advertising you get like free ten thousand dollars of AdWords advertising from Google if you're a, a, a registered charity. And so now, you know, the, the combination of the MOOC and the AdWords and so on, we have, you know, developers and people, you know, aspiring developers coming in, some people wanting to give back and, and mentor others. Uh, some people just want to level up. Other people have been on a work break and they want to come back and, and get back uh, into the, the swing of things. And for those people who, you know, uh, have got the enthusiasm and the drive, uh, it, it's not it's not for everyone because it's, it's still kind of in that self-organizing phase. But so, you know, people are coming together. This, the, the, the Swedish uh, animal charity one is, uh, is a really good example of one where they've, they've, they've got their MVP up and the client's very happy. And, um, you know, we've connected people uh, in Sweden and the east coast of the U.S. and the west coast of the U.S. who love animals and are working together on this project. So it's, uh, you know, it, 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 I would love to be doing more and, and, and sort of scaffolding the way people are working together better um, but uh, yeah, it, it's kind of it's starting to gather 
the kind of uh, the kind of critical mass that I've I've longed for it to move towards for a long time. Well, cool. Uh, that's that's really great uh, and interesting too. I mean, it sounds like there was a lot of work and stuff involved. Uh, you know, I think uh, for me, just taking a business and you know having this idea and going mm. all the way to getting uh, your nonprofit license. I mean, that's that's definitely a great accomplishment. Thanks. It was certainly a milestone. Ironically, the um the the sort of that that licensing process was it was much more challenging to get the charity set up than I've previously done for setting up you know for example my own company like in, I think in most countries you know in the US and the UK you can you know you pay a bit of money you can have that company created you know o- overnight where the process for registering a charity in the UK was a lot more rigorous a lot more red red tape um, you know getting this board of trustees set up getting the government departments to respond and so on I guess they are they're less incentivized to uh, I don't, know if that's I don't know. I think they're incentivized countries. They want more co- more companies being started because they think, yes, company tax revenue. Yes, let's make it easy for companies to be made. And like charities, okay, these guys want tax discounts. Uh, um, I don't know, at least in the UK, it, it felt like um, we were in the less well-supported stream, you know, of... of, of but, but, we, but we got there. Um, I mean, a, a big thing that enabled... I, I had been uh, working, uh, running a, a boot camp in London um, for, for a couple of years and uh, you know then I took a break from that and uh, that sort of created some space and uh, you know now we've got this got this things at the, the next level I mean I think the the real goal going forward now is is trying to make it uh, completely self-sustaining um, as we start to get these contracts in from different uh, organizations and the number of uh, premium members who pay for uh, more support goes up we're creeping towards that you know self-sustaining state I think we're not quite there yet but uh, you know on the way Sam, you mentioned boot camps. That was actually something I wanted to ask about. Can you tell sure. me about that boot camp a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So the boot camp in London, Makers Academy, uh, is one of several boot camps in, in London. I think it might have been the first boot camp, actually, in, in London. And what it's, was the uh, name of it? Makers Academy. Okay. Makes, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's not, uh, unlike some, like I think, like General Assembly and Iron Yard, which are some more familiar in the US, they have branches in London. But uh, Makers Academy is a homegrown boot camp that started i think around the time that you know before everybody and their uncle had a had a boot camp um so this is it started i think in 2013 or maybe it's even 2012 but um but yeah so and uh, it's a you know boot camp along the traditional model that i think people are familiar <laughs> with where they have a sort of a full-time 12-week course and as it happens with makers academy it's sort of uh ruby sinatra rails javascript uh and, Angular, th- those those sorts of things, um, and that was, I mean, you know, the big thing for me, like going back much further, is that I've been teaching uh, software engineering uh, in in bricks and mortar university, or doing a lot of it online, um, and you know that that was that was fun, but I was always kind of, I don't know, like uh, there's something about universities where it's great to be giving this this well-rounded education, but you're you're kind of you've only got students' attention for you know, a relatively small portion of the week, you know, and they're kind of often the students, I guess they're in the, maybe the 18 to 21 bracket. I mean, of course, these days, there's many, you know, the, the, the mature students coming back to university and, and so on, uh, lifelong learning. But there is a, uh, still, I think, in many of the bricks and mortar universities, there's, there's people who sort of just come out of, uh, you know, the, the sort of required education and they're, and, they're, and they're going on and they're just sort of trying stuff out. And I mean, I think that's great. Some people derive enormous pl- pleasure from that. I, I guess I, I found it you know, uh, not quite so fulfilling to be working with people who, you know, weren't necessarily really sure if they were interested 
in learning about, about software. And what was exciting about mm -hmm. switching to the bootcamp model is here you had, you know, in a, in a cohort, a, a class of, of, of 30 students, 30 people are like, yes, we want to code and we're going to do it full time all day, every day. And that's, you know, there is kind of an intensity there that I, that, that I love and is exciting. Um, although it's, it can be very grueling doing that day after day after day. I think, um, you know, uh, yeah. that's one of the big challenges with boot camps is for both the students and the staff is making sure that it's kind of manageable for people long term. Yeah. So it's 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. Does that feel like a lot of time or does that feel like a short amount of time? Well, uh, you know, I think not having been one of the instructors rather than one of the students, it's, it's difficult to know, uh, you know, to, to really know how the students experienced it. I, I think yeah. when people come to the end of it, they would say, oh, it's gone so fast. I mean, it, it, three months is not that long when they're in mm -hmm. it. And I think there's this particular thing in, in boot camps and you'll have a lot of people who are you know, very, very bright. Um, they maybe already had successful careers in, in finance or marketing or, or, or design or what have you, but they've said, you know, I've done that. You know, I'm, I want to have a switch. And, you know, I'm excited about this coding and making uh, things, but there's, I, I don't know if this is a completely true characterization, but it seems to me that uh, when you're coding, you're repeatedly have your face forced in failure every day. Like, like again, you just have mm -hmm. to like, in a way that, I don't know. I mean, I haven't worked in those other careers, but maybe in those other career paths, you're kind of not quite so. It's not quite so hard. Like, like the when you when you, you can phone someone up and get them to do, and they say no or yes, or whatever. It's it's much more kind of fuzzy. Whereas you know, you can be stuck on a bug in coding like for three like three days. And it's like, ah! You can kind of be right. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying. So yeah, it, it is a little different. Like I worked in a factory for a while when I was younger. I, it was right. a shelf factory, and I would just stack shelves all day. Mm. And uh, it always worked. Every time I set a shelf on top of another shelf, it, right. I was successful with that. So, yes. yeah, a lot of other kinds of work don't have the, the extreme frustrations that we can be presented with in coding. Yeah, my test suites would agree with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually, uh, I've heard of Makers Academy. We actually had Melina Leach on here earlier this year, and she was a graduate from there, I believe. So, um, you know, definitely have heard of it. So I have a question for you, Sam. Uh, is Agile Adventures, is this a replacement for boot camps or does it go hand in hand with it? Uh, what's your kind of take on where this fits in with uh, other boot camps and other, um, was it MOOCs? Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like uh, Code Academy and stuff like that. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Are you searching for a new job? That can be stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through the interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary, offer, or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent-matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. And on Hired, you receive personal interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about what, what opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. 
and we help you find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Open to relocation? Let them know. Your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance. And if you sign up today using the show's link, that's hire.com slash rubyrogues, you can get double the normal hiring bonus. That's $600 instead of $300. So go check them out at hire.com slash rubyrogues. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I very much see it as not a replacement. For, for a boot camp. Um, I think, um, you know, boot camps are not for everyone, but I think certainly for some people, um, touching back on Jason's question about does it seem like a long time, that, you know, doing something full-time for 12 weeks can be enough to take you over that hump. I think a lot of people find, you know, they're trying to code with, learn to code from online resources and they, you know, they kind of get a bit of it on, you know, without that kind of full-on intensity for some people. Some people, you know, are completely self-taught and, and that's great for them. Uh, everybody's personality is different. Uh, I think some people need, you know, can make really good use of a boot camp to take themselves up a level that puts them on that path to being, let's say, a developer full-time and so on. Um, the way where I see Agile Ventures is it comes after the boot camp, after the MOOC, after the CS degree. Um, it's, it's more about, um, you know, how do you move beyond that, that next phase? Um, how do you uh, start not just making toy systems, but making systems that actually address people's needs? That's that's kind of the the, the key thing. And you know, the the what's the what should we say the um, the Hollywood bootcamp story is that you graduate from that bootcamp and you manage to get your you, you jump straight onto that ladder, right? You get that entry level job. You're there and you're learning on the job. You're, you know, you, all, the, all the stuff that you know, beyond what you could uh, learn in the boot camp or, or in the university or, you know, self-taught. If you could just get into that situation and be paid to learn to code, you know, and it would, you know, happily ever after. Um, I think that uh, it's, you know, it's difficult. But make, jumping onto that first rung of the ladder is really hard. Um, and it's great if you can have some kind of framework where you can be working in a team on software and there's actually a client who might be changing their mind or saying, I do like that or I don't like that. And you can simulate to a degree some of that experience that you would have working on your first job. Do you know what I mean? While, I mean, you know, like I would say for a bootcamp graduate, you know, spend half your time doing tech tests and interviews and the other half the time working on projects. It doesn't have to be Agile Ventures, you know, but I think you want to spend the other half of your time coding on, you know, collaborative, uh, I would recommend open source projects. Um, and again, it requires, I think, a lot of motivation to do that, to that, do that well. And so if you've got a support structure around you that can help you do that, then so much the better. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that a lot of us, you know, especially entry level grads, uh, they often don't get the full picture. It's not until years of experience on the job, do they really start seeing what does it mean to collaborate? You know, it's not just mm -hmm. programming mm -hmm. with someone else and trying to avoid merge conflicts. You know, there's a lot of human interaction that goes into it. And if you're kind of like an introvert like me, that, you know, takes an actual real, it's a learning process to learn how to collaborate with other people, how to communicate clearly. So I think that's really cool that you guys kind of um, add in that missing step. Uh, now, do you guys kind of go further? Because, you know, that's one part of being a collaborative full stack developer. But do you guys go into more of the... Um, uh, server environments, uh, you know, or is it just strictly programming or, you know, no, but, yeah, go on. Sorry, sorry to cut you off there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great question. And, and we definitely do go m more in that, you know, the full thing it's, 
and I think you know each of the projects is kind of self-contained, and so you know the project is going to involve uh, people taking on all the roles, and then people are going to need to get their hands dirty with uh, Hiroku and AWS and DigitalOcean and Azure, and uh, you know big shout out to them because they just gave us a load of uh, free resources because we're a charity. It's a, I highly recommend becoming a charity. It's very uh, you know you can unlock say unlock a lot of resources. <laughs> But watch out for the admin that you also unlock as well. Yeah. But but yes, I mean, I, I think that, you know, seeing the full cycle is is really valuable. The I mean, the challenge that we face sometimes is, is that there are a lot of people who want to learn to code and they're they're kind of, they're saying, no, well, I just want to learn the coding bit. And I, and I think if you just want to learn the coding bit and you want to focus really exclusively on that, then then probably this sort of holistic thing that Agile Ventures is doing is not necessarily for you. Um, it's, you know, I, I, I don't know, it's, I, I think coding is this wonderful, magical thing, but when it's completely detached from actually solving some problem from someone, th then I kind of, personally, I kind of lose interest to a degree. I still, you know, I do carters and, and pair with people on, the, on those things, and that's a, it's a nice diversion. But for me, the kind of, the exciting thing about code is when it connects to solve a problem for somebody. So, um, you know, it's not just about writing that code that's going to run in the, you know, the Rails engine or what have you. It's about, okay, how can we get this uh, code out onto Heroku or uh, some other platform or, or Dree? Uh, there's a UK uh, guys that are, they're sponsoring us and uh, we're really grateful to them as well. Um, you know, I think that, that that bigger picture is really valuable for the, for the young developer um, because the, you know you can do so much coding and say well, we've got this all working. Oh no! Now we tried to put it on the cloud hosting platform and the CSS things don't load and it's kind of do you know what I mean? Like the so it's learning things like you know oh let's just take our initial skeleton of the app and deploy that fully onto the cloud hosting thing. Make sure that all works and then we'll start adding in the next components and and, and so on. And that whole kind of I think I, I the, the DevOps movement. I, I see the whole agile thing as about trying to avoid having these silos of QA and testers and dev, uh, you know, the ops people and so on, and kind of bring them all together so that we can all see more of the big picture. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, in that the developer's famous last words, well, work to my machine or work to my environment. <laughs> so, That's right. You know, I can't count how many times I've deployed something, even, you know, uh, to a CI, CD, to just uh, have it right. utterly blow up in my face. You know, mm -hmm. environment variable or something was missing or some parameter wasn't compatible with that uh, hosting environment or cloud environment. So, um, yeah, I, th I think that's really great that you guys kind of take that full spectrum in uh, into play. Um, and I think there's something really important to teach new developers, which is um, nothing ever works on the first try, mm -hmm. you know. People have this optimism, which is like, I, I always say that optimism is one of the greatest sins in software development because uh, nothing ever nothing ever works on the first try. And if you expect it to work, you're just setting yourself up for frustration. Uh, better to understand that things probably aren't going to work the first time you do it and account for that. And like you said, mm. rather than building your whole application and then deploying it, deploy the skeleton of it first. Make sure that works. And then everything from that point on is only incremental, very important thing to teach new devs. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever taken an app from beginning to finish, deployed it without ever testing or having nothing go wrong. You know, there's always been something that I missed. You know, even today, it's something stupid or something crazy that I just completely forgot about. So, yeah. Um, 
And if someone gives you a hard time, you know, to the listeners, if someone gives you a hard time about making a mistake that, you know, it wasn't costly, it's not like it did a bunch of damage, but they just make you feel bad about it. You know, don't, don't let that get your spirits down because we all make mistakes and I make some pretty uh, dumb mistakes on a daily basis. So, um, you know, it's great to have. Me too. (laughs) Amen to that. You know, uh, it's great having, you know, that collaborative work, you know, to help one another, you know, iron sharpens iron, you know, help each other out. So uh, I think what you guys are doing there is great. Yeah, it was interesting that you say that. I think one of the things that forms a barrier for people taking part in these kind of online collaborative projects is often a fear of failure. They're, they're, they're afraid that, you know, if they're going to make a mistake and someone else is going to see it. And I think people would often, you know, much rather just work, work in isolation on their own thing uh, so that they, because, because they feel that, oh, right, if I'm going to go and start working with these other people, I'm going to have to know my stuff. And if I don't know all my stuff perfectly, or if I haven't got to a certain level, I can't start contributing. I can't be there. They're just going to, f- I mean, I think, I think we all uh, fear this to a, to, to a certain extent. I mean, I, I just make sure that I fail regularly in public, you know, uh, day in, day out. And I, I think I gradually got uh, sl- slowly immune to it, but it's, uh, yeah, it, that, that, it's funny how when coding is such a, you know, intellectual pursuit in some ways that I think there's the emotional barriers, um, that are the, the biggest, this, this fear of failure. And then also, strangely enough, the inverse thing, which relates to what Jason was saying, which is this lack of paranoia. There's an expectation that, oh, if the document se- documentation says that it should work this way, then I can type it into work. And it's like, oh, do, 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 do. It's like, you, you've got to be so pessimistic, uh, in, in Jason's terms, perhaps about, you know, and, and sort of really feeling your way with the kind of stick in the mud thing. Does this work? Does this work? Does this work? Does this work? To make sure you don't fall into that pit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with some good old puts debugging, you know, and stuff like that mm-hmm. to try and figure out what the heck is going wrong with your application. So, mm-hmm. but I guess I'm the the the, the thing that I, I I think links all these different things together is like the different ways in which you know one can be trying to learn to code, le- level up to code. Um, I've had this interesting series of experiences of of. Uh, you know, involved in running a MOOC, which serves tens of thousands of students, uh, you know, running a boot camp was serving these, you know, very, very tightly focused groups of 30 students, um, you know, working in open source projects with these sort of amorphous masses of people sort of picking up things here and there, Stack Overflow and so on. And, and then, you know, the bricks and mortar uh, uh, university where you've got these curriculum committees trying to say what's going to go into the courses and working with the local companies and so on. And um, yeah, I don't know. Do, do, do you guys have a, a favorite way to learn? Are you uh, both you like the self-taught that's the thing or what's 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 your guys poison as regards to you know mastering that latest bit of uh, that latest code challenge the way that i usually teach myself stuff is i just jump right in and do something like quick and dirty as mm-hmm. fast as i possibly can because uh, i know that the first time i do a project in a new technology i'm not going to do a very good job of it um, but it's probably not going to be clear to me how to do a good job of it until I first do it badly. And then I can step back and say, okay, that went uh, a certain way. And, and if I were to do it again, knowing what I know now, here's how mm. I would do it. And then the second version goes better. You know, I heard this really interesting uh, comparison. I think it was today, actually. Uh, somebody said it's, it's like making pancakes. Um, the first pancake you put in the pan is not going to be a very good one, but you have to make the first pancake in order right. to get to the rest of the pancakes. I thought that was like a perfect metaphor. 
Yeah. Yes. It's a good thing Mad Cat likes those uncooked, kind of liquidy first round pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's a that's Wait, a good analogy. Mad Cat, yeah. He's a garbage disposal. Your cat eats pancakes. He eats everything. Uh, <laughs> nice. So waste, waste, waste not, want not, as they say yeah. in the UK. That's fantastic that you can manage that. Well, it also reminds me of, um, uh, I think it's uh, Fred Brooks' Mythical Man Month, where he said, you know, build one to throw away because you will anyway. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, and for me, learning, uh, it's really, you know, just like you, Jason, just kind of getting there and doing it, um, failing hard multiple times, you know. I'll probably have uh, 20 revision or I guess uh, my 20 version one apps. So I would have just completely scrapped the application multiple times, starting over with all the new things I learned on a new stack. So, um, you know, I started learning programming. Uh, you know, I started with like basic and Pascal and Fortran, you know, uh, back in the late eighties, early nineties. So there was no internet to look stuff up on. Books were way too expensive for me to afford. So it was just getting on that tech setter and just keep trying until, you know, I found something that worked and then just went from there. So um, I think it's interesting, though. Everyone has such a different and unique learning style. Some people like reading blog posts. Some people like watching screencasts. And other people need that uh, hands-on, you know, in the university. So I think it's great that um, today that there are all of those different options available to people, uh, almost to a point where if there is something that you want to learn, whether it's development or not development, there there is no excuse. You have the tools, for the most part, readily available to you um, in one form or fashion. Yes, indeed. It, it, it sounds like, is it maybe for, for both of you that you, uh, you like if you want to learn something, you, you're going to dive in and work with the documentation that's available. Do you guys not, uh, I guess, sounds like probably you're not using MOOCs or screencasts or other online resources so, so, so much. Or may, are, are there some online resources that you guys really love to go to for, for help and support? Probably Google, you know, if there's uh, something I can't figure out, you know, I think part of being a good developer is knowing how to ask the right questions to Google. So, and, you know, if it's not on Stack Overflow, then a solution probably doesn't exist. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's a great point. And just as a side note, when I'm mentoring people, oftentimes they'll get a weird error message and they'll start like scratching their head and thinking about what that error message means. And I'm like, hey, hey hang on, don't like try to figure this out yourself. Just copy and paste that error message into Google. Somebody else already figured what that's all about. And you can save yourself a ton of time by just Googling that error message. Uh, you've probably seen those like uh, fake O'Reilly books. Um, mm-hmm. Where one, the, the title of the book is Googling the error message. <laughs> so it's like advanced Googling the error message. Um, but Sam, you asked us a question. I forgot what the question was. Oh, well, it was it was it was about those the resources that you use to sort of uh, scaffold right, right. your 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 learning and the, the googling there. It's uh, the funny thing is is how many people in in traditional education the students may feel that if they're putting the error message into Google that they're somehow cheating. You know. That oh they, yeah. I mean, it's it's I, I, it's so difficult to break the habits that that some educational systems put into people. But uh, yeah, do you oh, have yeah. other? And, and uh, the, go on. The, the other funny thing is that like. If you get an answer from another student, that's cheating also. 
but right. like that in the real world, that's what you need to do. Like that's yeah. not cheating in the real world. That's like, it's a waste of time if you don't do that. Um, but to answer your question, Sam, for me personally, I prefer, so I'm wildly impatient and I have a deep need to like go at my own pace with stuff. Mm-hmm. And sometimes my own pace is like, I need to go way faster a lot of the times I need to go way slower because I'm actually kind of a slow learner and like I need to like reread things several times to like, okay, what the heck did they mean by this paragraph of, of text? And so I often, like when I started learning Rails, I bought the Rails way and just read it cover to cover. I didn't mm. necessarily even understand what I was looking at, but I at least put my eyeballs on every single page and read mm. all the words. Um, and so that's how I kind of teach myself that kind of stuff. Mm. I have a really hard time with video just because like I hit play and then three minutes in, I realize I haven't been paying attention at mm. all. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh crap. So I, the, the random access of a book works way better than me for the sequential than the sequential access mm. of a video. Mm. That's, that's my personal stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's really, it's really interesting. You know, when I started learning Rails, uh, Railscast was a huge resource for me, and I am kind of the opposite, where I'm much more uh, video-driven, to where, you know, I can speed up the video, I can pause it, rewind it, uh, slow it down if I need to. Uh, so, you know, to me, that kind of works better, to have that visualization. Um, you know, that's if I'm not just banging my head on the keyboard. So... Um, a lot of my current learning with Rails and Ruby comes from the screencasting site that I host, uh, driftandruby.com. And so, you know, I probably spend uh, 16 hours a week doing each episode. You know, it may be 8 to 16, depending on the content. But there's a lot of research and that goes into each episode to where um, there's always something that I'm learning, uh, a different way of doing something, a different concept. So uh, that's been a good learning resource for me as well um, to learn from. And that kind of has to go back to Jason's point of diving into a book or some text or blog uh, to actually have to read it. And, you know, like you, Jason, I have a pretty poor reading comprehension. So I have to read the same thing over multiple times before it really sinks into my brain. But if someone were to just dictate or, you know, not dictate, but if they were to just read that aloud to me, then I would have picked it up much more instantly. You know, it's just that, you know, brain connection from reading to uh, understanding. It's just, you know, a a challenge for me. So um, thank goodness there's multiple uh, resources available. Absolutely. Well, and thank goodness for Drifting Ruby, actually, by the way, I, I do love, love your site. And um, what we, we record for the other thing we do with our adventures is we record all of our pairing sessions uh, and so on. But what we realized is, you know, while that's great for occasional looking back and so on, uh, I think, you know, we need things like Railscast and Dr- Drifting Ruby to like, you know, focus, prepared uh, things. It, it's, it's, you know, pair programming is great for learning, but it's, you know, not most people have not got the time to sift through videos of other people's pairing sessions in order to work out how to get stuff done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there anything else that uh, you wanted to talk about Agile Adventures or, you know, any other questions or things? Well, I guess the, the, the only other thing that's sort of on, on my mind is the corollary to your point about, you know, there are so many different resources out there is, um, you know, how the, the kind of the current ecosystem 
uh, w works and and sort of you know is sustainable as I mentioned earlier. I mean we're hoping to move agile ventures towards sustainability. I mean the the, the MOOCs have evolved over uh, four or five years from being this you know total free for alls, everybody free for everything, and you know the, the companies have been experimenting with different models and uh, now. You know, it, you can't get the uh, honor certificates anymore, uh, I think, from Coursera and edX, and it's moved to more of paid models. Um, you know, other sites, like, I've been really impressed with uh, Udemy, um, which uh, makes a lot of courses, mainly they're, they're, they're paid, which is, you know, I'm kind of a big fan of open source and everything available for free, but I think, you know, the people putting in the hard work uh, to, you know, get the materials made and ready and available definitely deserve to be compensated when they're doing you know, fantastic work. And there, there's kind of a, we have this, I don't know, it, it, it's a funny situation where, uh, you know, some people get paid well for doing the educational support work that they, they do, and uh, others, you know, are kind of give, giving it away because they're just doing fantastic work on open source projects. But, um, you know, also then people kind of burn out supporting those uh, open source projects and so on. And I think um, it's, it's just, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, um, how that tension between you know the, the the open source and making things available for free for everybody to learn and but then also you know in boot camps survive because they charge you know big fees for their uh for their courses um how we can sort of ensure that uh, everybody you know is is getting a you know sustainable lifestyle off this big big uh, cornucopia of resources i think is kind of an open problem at least an open problem for me does that make any sense yeah, it does. And I think that's a interesting point, you know, probably a whole different talk about uh, just kind of the concept of passing the torch, you know, because right. there are so many open source projects that have uh, started with a lot of drive, a lot of motivation, and just uh, a lot of good speed. But then over the years, the project kind of just slowly winds down and dies, you know, mm. just no longer being supported. So you know, people have moved on to other interests and stuff. So, you know, I think it would, you know, maybe a good point to say that when you do start working on a project and when it does start to get some momentum, while you are so really interested in it, find someone um, to help collaborate with you on the project. You know, if it's an open source project, you know, have that other person that you would be willing to hand the torch over to if you ever decide that this isn't, uh, what I want or need to do anymore, you know, because um, there's been a lot of projects out there that have just kind of died down without mm. anyone to really pick up the slack. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, I think it's, you know, the the, the EFF to, to uh, I think there's, some, there's, there's some other organizations that do do a kind of, you know, shepherding and support for open source projects. I think there's, there's also like a, a transparent uh, open funding uh, framework. There, there's so many of these different things now. There's got Open Collective, you know, which tries to help fund uh, open uh, source projects and so on. I think it's something we'd also like to be doing in Agile Ventures is providing that kind of framework where uh, people doing open source projects can get more help and support so that they are sustainable and that they can easily, more easily find, you know, someone else to pass it on to in the in the community in the long run. Uh, I think there, there's definitely, you know, a lot of challenges. Uh, remaining there. Uh, I mean, like you, you're doing right, drifting Ruby in your spare time, right, Dave? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, uh, spare night times. <laughs> but you know, and it's it's kind of we've got to work out some way to make sure that you are well compensated for that. I I would say going in the going forward. Yeah, 
yeah, it's been something where, you know, I've kind of seen it as a way to give back just because of mm-hmm. the help I've received over the years and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's been a fun project. You know, and- oh, I mean, that's, that's, that's beautiful to give back. And I think particularly, you know, uh, for you to find the space to do that, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. We're all very grateful. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Sam, if, if people want to find agile ventures and find you online, um, where, where should they go? What, well, what yeah, should they look at? absolutely. I mean, agileventures.org, um, is, is the place to come. Uh, sign up for a free account there. You'll get invited into our Slack instance. I'll greet you. Um, we'll try and uh, have a chat and, and fight, see if there's a, a charity open source project that you could get involved in. I'm Tansaku, T-A-N-S-A-K-U on, on Twitter and, and GitHub and other places. Oh, I've got extra U on Twitter after I got hacked. Ah, oh no. But uh, uh, put all the links in the, in the show notes. But yeah, so I'm, I'm uh, yeah, tw- Twitter, GitHub and just agileventures.org get into our Slack thing. We, we're all Slack addicts and uh, in there all the time. So that's the, that's the place. And come, come and get involved. If you, if you, if you want to, like, like Dave, come and give back and you, you can't by yourself make such an amazing site like Drifting Ruby, uh, come and, and we'll try and hook you up with a, with a charity who has a, a, a need for some uh, uh, IT uh, you know, engineering, software engineering support. Awesome. Well, great. Dear Ruby developer, are you sick and tired of working on crappy old legacy code bases? There's got to be a better way. If you want to get a better job, here's what you can do. Find a technology that's really in demand, build a side project using that technology, and then use that side project as experience to get your next better job. I've done this myself several times. It definitely works. What I think is a really good technology to learn right now is Angular. Angular's really in demand right now, and it's not going away anytime soon. I have a free guide to getting started with Angular and Rails at angularonrails.com slash rr. Good luck and enjoy this episode of Ruby Rogues. Shall we move to picks? Yeah, yeah, picks are good. <laughs> I just have one pick. It's a very selfish pick this time. Occasionally I, I plug myself on the show. Um, so I offer a, a few different services. I do training and custom development and also like one-on-one mentorship and i'm generally available for that sort of thing so if you have any need dear listener for that sort of thing you can contact me at uh, jason at benfranklinlabs.com and we can talk about that and that is my pick how about you sam oh yeah I, well i pre- pre- got, a, got, a, got a few um the first one is uh i hope i'm pronouncing this right St- stephen grinders uh he's got an elixir phoenix course on udemy and um it actually relates to the, the earlier on uh, I, I usually like to just sort of dive in um but uh, one of my uh, uh sort of colleagues on adventures recommended this and sort of promoted it for his project and i've been do- and i've been really impressed uh you know i think more than just the basic tutorial uh his, his stuff on elixir phoenix on udemy is really great. I'll get you the link for the show notes. Um, ran another movie. I just watched the Doctor Strange movie, and I kind of really loved it. I loved that Doctor Strange uh, movie. I hadn't been a particular fan of, of his comic books, but uh, I do like Benedict Cumberbatch, so uh, that was great fun the other night. And uh, final uh, sort of bit of self-promotion, we've actually started our own podcast called the Agile Book Club, and we're working through uh, sort of agile uh, uh, book, books on the, the agile process and user stories and, and so on, and, and uh, reviewing a couple of chapters each week and doing sort of a, 
you know, around discussion on that, uh, which we're having a lot of, lot of fun with exploring different ways to do the uh, agile software development process. Oh, nice. And that's out right now. If I search for the Agile Book Club on, on iTunes or whatever, I can find it. Uh, I think you probably it's going to be on sound. We've got soundcloud.com slash agile ventures. And uh, the first episode should be out within the next couple of couple of weeks. But yeah, if you if you go to soundcloud.com slash agile ventures, as soon as the first episode is out, it'll be there. Cool. Okay, cool. So I imagine by the time this podcast goes out, that'll yes. be that'll be out. Yeah, there. okay. Yeah, that'll, that'll be out. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'll have to pick you out piggyback off your pick sam and pick the whole marvel marvel franchise um i grew up reading marvel comic books and i've seen like all of the new marvel movies so uh doctor strange was a cool one uh i like that so and wasn't um who are that guy is cucumber benedict uh <laughs> <laughs> the man with the unpronounceable name yeah cucumber yeah. benedict <laughs> the breakfast <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, th- I think Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm told is yeah. how as how it's said, but uh, yeah, he was in. I loved him in the new Star the Star Trek. He was in the Star Trek as Khan. Yeah, did you Didn't see he? that one? Oh, really? I saw that one. Didn't he also play uh, Sherlock uh, in yeah, his yeah. own little series? Okay. Yep. Cool. Yep. The mod update. Yeah. He's, so, he's, he's, uh, my real pick is Guard, which is a command line tool that easily handles file system modifications. So it'll trigger different events. So, for example, if you have Breakman or a uh, RSpec or a test suite uh, running on your application, then you can have the Breakman or the test suites automatically get triggered in your console. So as you're making changes, it'll automatically retest uh, those modified files just so you don't have to run your full test suite or, you know, worry about that. You can just have it running in the background off to the side and have it. Uh, do ground notifications or anything like that. So uh, pretty cool stuff. Awesome. Well, Sam, we uh, thank you very much for joining us today. And, you know, I'll be sure to follow you on Twitter and check out Agile Ventures. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Great talking with you, Sam. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.